0: Dear father in heaven lord i thank you so much for again for the day i thank you for sabbath the fact that you you thought of us all those years ago i pray now lord that this would be your message and not mine and lord that you would touch everyone so that they would they would feel your love i pray and i ask this in your name amen philip yancey tells a story of his brother and now his brother attended a Bible college, and it was during a phase in his brother's life where he could be described as a smart aleck. I don't know if any of you ever went through that phase, where you kind of thought you knew everything. So his favorite thing to do would be to attend Bible studies, and he would sit back with his arms, arms crossed, and he would listen as others stood up to share their favorite Bible verses. So they would, sh- they would stand up and they would share the, the typical, you know, f- typical favorites. Uh, some found in Romans, some found in Ephesians, some found in the Psalms, uh, Hebrews. And he would wait patiently for his turn. And then he would stand up and with a perfectly straight face, he would say, At Parbar westward, four at the causeway and two at Parbar. 1st Chronicles 26:18, and he would sit down. And he would enjoy watching people's faces scrunch up as they tried to figure out what on earth he had just said. But it is a legit Bible verse. But either way, his brother, in saying these Bible verses, introduces a problem that many of us have with the Old Testament. A lot of times, it either doesn't make sense... Or when it does make sense, it kind of almost offends the modern ear. And in our scripture reading today, we read that that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We read that God himself never changes. And we know from 1 John 4, verse 8, that God is love. But let's be honest. Sometimes the God in the Old Testament makes as much sense as the verse that Philip Yancey's brother quoted. And then the New Testament comes along and it changes everything. Many have argued throughout history trying to explain this uh, almost phenomena. Why the differences. And so some have said, well, maybe, maybe it was two different gods. Maybe it wasn't the same God. And others have said, no, that doesn't make sense. The Bible's clear that it's one God. Maybe he was bipolar or maybe he, he changed his mind throughout history. But the Bible is very clear that it is one God and that he never changes. And that he's a God of love. So what on earth is going on? In Hebrews 1, verse 1, and we're going to be in Hebrews quite a bit today. Hebrews 1, verse 1. It says this. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the Father by the prophets. Long ago, God spoke. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors. Now, I want you to imagine for a second that you are a Jew and you are living in the first century A.D. Okay, so you are a Jew, you're living in the first century A.D. You have a beautiful religion. It's ancient. It goes all the way back to Abraham and you are proud of your religion. On top of that, you have the temple. Oh, the the temple is your pride and your joy. You worship in synagogues on Sabbath. You have the law, you have customs and traditions that are ancient and you are proud of your religion. But then one day you hear something about this this man named Jesus and you hear about this group of people, this small sect of people known as Christians and you become intrigued. And so slowly over time you begin to learn more and more about this message and this person called Jesus and you eventually accept the message. But as time passes, you notice that now that you're a Christian, too, you're no longer welcome in the temple. You no longer are worshiping in, house, or in a synagogues on Sabbath, you're now worshiping in houses, and it's small groups of people. And people are making fun of you. Other people, they want to kill you. And you begin to ask yourself, why on earth am I a Christian? Why did I leave all that behind? And then one day, as you are at this house church, a letter arrives, and it begins to be read, and you hear these words, long ago God spoke to our ancestors, in many and various ways by his servants, the prophets. And something clicks in your mind, and you say, that's right, I remember, long ago God spoke, he created the world, he spoke, and boom, there was. That's right, God spoke. And he spoke. He spoke through Abraham. He spoke through Moses. He spoke through the prophets. Yes, I remember my heritage. That's right. And you begin to become a little bit more intrigued as to where this letter is going. That's why I can be proud of my Jewish heritage, you might say to yourself, that day that you heard this letter for the first time. Because long ago, God spoke. Long ago, the SDA Bible commentary says, long ago God spoke. God spoke in many ways, and it came slowly, little by little, as men could comprehend it. I want to go right back to Abraham. And to go to Abraham, we're not going to the book of Genesis, we're going to the book of Joshua. Joshua 24, verse 2. Joshua 24, verse 2. It says this, so Joshua stands up and he says to the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your ancestors, Terah, and his sons Abraham and Nahor lived beyond the Euphrates and they served other gods. I'm sorry, what? Abraham served what? Other gods. So herein lies a problem. Too often we read the Old Testament with our New Testament lenses on, and then we have the spirit of prophecy lenses on top of that. And this is not a bad thing. This is not a bad thing. For those of us, as we get older, we know that we need glasses to see clearer. And we have the the New Testament and the spirit of prophecy, and it helps us see clearer. But in order to understand the Old Testament, sometimes we have to take off those glasses, and we have to understand the history and the time in which these people were living. And this is why. Take my opening verse in Parbar about Parbar. At Parbar westward, four at the causeway, two more at Parbar. Does the verse make sense? No, until you read the chapter surrounding it and you understand the history. It's it's a set of instructions given to the gatekeepers. So it's saying at Parbar westward, Parbar being the city, I want four of you guys at the causeway and I want two more of you guys to stay here at Parbar and watch the gates. It makes sense now. We might not understand everything entirely, but at least we know it's a set of instructions. And so with the Old Testament, when we read it, with our 21st century understanding of what is right and what is wrong, let's be honest, oftentimes God comes across looking a little bit cruel. And sometimes it's hard to understand what on earth he's doing. Let's go back to Abraham. God comes to Abraham one day and he says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son. This is the son of promise. This is the son that you've waited for. And I want you to take him and I want you to sacrifice him. And Abraham says, okay, God. And he goes. Now, if God came to you or I today and he said, I want you to take your oldest child and I want you to sacrifice him, You would probably say, because we have the New Testament, and because we have the spirit of prophecy, we have a better understanding now, we would probably say, that's not you, God. You would never ask me to do that. But to Abraham, that made sense. Because he was living at a time where originally he had been worshipping other gods. In other words, he had been entrenched in a life that was... How do I say it? He'd been living among, basically, heathens. And he himself had been one of them. And to these people, offering your oldest son was the highest form of respect you could pay to your deity. And so when God says, I want you to do this, Abraham says, absolutely, because that is what a deity would have asked him to do. But God stops him. God stops him. And he says, wait, look over there. There's a ram caught in the thicket. Sacrifice that instead. So the neat thing that we see about God is that he meets these people where they are at with their understanding of who he is. And he works with them to shape that over time and to slowly begin to to transform that vision so that they can see who he really is. Tell me that isn't a God of love. Tell me that's not a God of love. So God is slowly revealing himself to Abraham. Going back to Hebrews 1 verse 1, it says, God who at various times and in various ways, the at various ways, or as the King James Version says, the at sundry times and in diverse manners is there for a reason. By putting these words first, the author fixes our attention upon the variations and the imperfections of the old testament revelation that revelation came bit by bit as men were ready and able to receive it put another way a commentary on the book of hebrews reads god spoke he did not act uniformly or confine himself to any one method of speaking to the prophets he spake by way of promise and prediction by types and symbols by commandments and precepts, by warnings and exhortations. In other words, God didn't limit himself as to how he wanted to reach out to humanity. He had to get through to them. He was not willing to sit back and just say, you know what? They can figure out. They can discover who I am. No, instead, we have a God that revealed himself to humanity because he loves us. But it took time. It took different men in different situations using different methods as God slowly began to reshape this way of thinking over time. And you know, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New, when Jesus comes to earth, he uses the exact same way of reaching people. We think of the woman at the well as she sat there. Christ didn't just sit in the synagogue and wait for people to come find him. He went out and he found them where they were at. And he worked with them to reveal who he was to them. The exact same way that he had worked in the Old Testament. And so God spoke. He spoke through Abraham when he calls him out of his old country. And he slowly begins to reshape that understanding. He speaks through Moses as he says, you know what? Here is my law. Follow it. And then he sets up uh, a wonderful service of sacrifices and priests, all pointing forward to something that is to come. And finally, he sends the prophets. And they reveal a little bit more of who God is and what is to come. And so God spoke over and over again in many different ways and in many different methods to reach out to his people. Going to Hebrews 1 verse 2. It says, But he, being God, in these last days, has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So throughout the Old Testament, God is revealing himself to humanity little by little, bit by bit. And to illustrate this a little bit further, I want to tell you the story of Bob. So Bob goes out one day and he decides, I want to buy a... uh, present for my wife because i love her and i want to show her just how much i love her so i'm going to buy her something big and expensive so he goes out and he buys some some present for her and he comes home and he says now i don't want to just just give it to her so he he writes riddles on puzzle pieces and he gives it to her one at a time and as she solves that riddle it leads her to the next puzzle piece she solves that one and she finds the next puzzle piece until finally she has all the puzzle pieces And as she sits down and she begins to put them together, she sees a clear picture of what her present is. And because this is my story and I'm making it up, in this case it's a brand new red Toyota Tacoma. We'll go with that. And so bit by bit, puzzle piece by puzzle piece, God has been working with humanity to reshape their way of who he is and what they expect God to be. But then I suppose you could ask the question and say, well, why did God not just reveal himself to humanity all at once? Why not just say, hey, this is who I am? <laughs> Jesus sums it up well in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, when he says this. He looks out and he sees Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I think this is probably one of the saddest verses in the Bible. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as hens gather her brood under her wings and you were not willing. And how often do we read the Old Testament and we see the words, we we see the people come along so far and then it says that, that wonderful little line that says and they again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And we smack our heads and we go, will these people never get it? Will they never get it? And they again do evil in the sight of the Lord. And a new king comes along, a new prophet comes along, a new judge comes along. And they, they repent. And then they again do what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And this happens over and over and over again. But we see God working with humanity. We see him working with Noah at the flood. We see humanity turn their back and build the Tower of Babel shortly thereafter. And then we see God work and call Abraham out of a land that's entrenched in paganism and slowly reshape his idea of who God is. And then Moses comes along and God hands him the law and says, this this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to follow me. And it's not to be negative. It's because I love you and I want what's best for you. And then comes along the, the judges and then the prophets and each and every one of them is given a little bit more. So if Jesus had simply shown up in Abraham's time, no one would have recognized him as a god, as God, because they were used to gods like Baal and Ashtoreth and Ra and all these angry gods who required that humanity discover who they were and serve them. And they were harsh. And then the only true God comes along and he says, let me reveal who I am to you because I love you. You. And this is echoed throughout the Old Testament. Until finally, after 4,000 years of this, one day a baby is born in a manger, and that baby lives a humble life, and then is crucified to a cross, and then rises again, and the last puzzle piece clicks into place. And that revelation is perfect and complete in Jesus Christ. The climax of god's revelation was in jesus christ he was the perfect revelation of everything that had been before him when god revealed his word through jesus it was whole and it was complete whereas the prophets had the word come to them jesus possessed the word because he was the word and to take this even further and point out how neat this is in Hebrews 1 verse 2 when it says, but in these last days he has spoken to us through his son, the way that it's actually translated from Greek into English would read, he has spoken to us in son. So in other words, it would be like if I went to Montreal and I worshiped there one Sabbath and I returned here the next Sabbath and somebody might say, you know, how was your time in Montreal? And I would say the church service was great. They, the worship service was done in French. So God, So what's being said here is that God has spoken to us in Son. In other words, he has given us the perfect word in none other than Jesus Christ. The perfect word. So through the entire Old Testament, we have a way paved towards Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, we have the culmination of both the old and the new. And the old is not negated because of Jesus, but it is fulfilled in him. As Jesus says well in Matthew 5:17, for I have not come to abolish the law, but I have come to fulfill it. And for those Jews listening that Sabbath as this message is read, that had converted to Christianity and now they're asking themselves the question, why am I a Christian? Why am I not still a Jew? It'd be easier. Because long ago God spoke. He spoke through the prophets. He spoke to reveal himself, little by little, bit by bit. But finally, one day, he sent his son. And that was the perfect revelation. Because God spoke. And Jesus fulfilled it all. And then to them, sitting there that day, they would say, you know what, that's right. Jesus himself is God. It all makes sense now. That's why we're Christians. That's why we're willing to go through everything that we're going through. Because we believe in Christ. We believe who he is. So through Jesus, God reveals how much he loves and he cares for humanity. And that is finally seen for the first time in a perfect and a complete way. Hebrews 1 verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person... And upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high and i like the way another version reads it says he is the reflection of god's glory and the exact imprint of god's very being now in the morning when you're getting yourself ready for church or work or whatever to go out and you brush your teeth and maybe you put your makeup on or you know whatever it is that you do What is one of the last things you usually do before you turn the light out and leave? Maybe this would apply more to women. I don't know. you look in the mirror, right? Just to make sure that every little hair is actually down and not sticking up somewhere. Make sure you don't have food in your teeth. But here's a question. Whose image is usually the one reflected back at you? Your own, right? It shouldn't be someone else's. It reflects your image now here's another question when jesus was on earth did he have the new testament to read no No. what did he have to read the old testament Testament. so the god that jesus knew well on earth the god jesus learned about as a child the god jesus served and the god jesus was and is is the god of the old testament So everything that Jesus became while on earth, all the compassion that he showed other people, the way he reached out, the way he healed the sick, the way he he ate with sinners, he read first in the Old Testament. And he learned about the God of the Old Testament. Because throughout the Old Testament, God revealed slowly over time who he was, And that one day Jesus was coming to earth. And by the time Jesus arrives on earth, he reads the same Old Testament, sees a God of love and mercy who does not wish that any man should perish but that all should have eternal life. And because Jesus is the perfect word of God, he therefore reflects the perfect nature of God in its wholeness and completeness. And he reflects this back to the world. Because he not only knows God through reading the Old Testament, but he is one with God, the same God of the Old Testament. Thus, the verse in Hebrews continues by saying that Jesus is not only the reflection, but he is also the express image. And the word used here for express image is character. Now, a character was a tool that was used to make an engraving, an exact image of itself upon wax. So, Christ is the exact counterpart of God, the God of the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God himself never changes. His love for humanity has never changed. His methods have, but his love has never changed. And his plan to see each and every person saved has never changed. Jesus is the fullest representation of God that we have. The final part of the verse says, When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And to understand this, we have to think back to the Old Testament and the the system that was set up for sacrifices. And the priest would stand and he he would do these sacrifices all day long, over and over and over again, and his work was never complete. But this verse here has told us that Christ himself has sat down once he has sacrificed himself. Hebrews 10 verse 11 and 12 says this, And every priest stands day after day at his service offering again and again the same sacrifice that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Now, how many of you, when you do your chores for the day, or you're done work, you come home and you do what? You sit down, because your work is complete. So this, the fact that Jesus sits down is not denoting inactivity on his part, but rather completion or fulfillment. The God Jesus knew was the God of the Old Testament, and the God Jesus is, is that same God of the old and the new. And through Jesus, we have completion and his completion is seen because he sits down. So now we have a complete image of who God is. But here's the question that we must ask. Why does this matter to you and I? Most of what I've said so far has been theoretical. You know, it's it's knowledge that's good to have, but how can we apply it in our lives? It's good to understand that God is love. And here's why. Because one in ten people today feel unloved or they feel lonely. Suicide rates continue to high. And here's the alarming thing, is that suicide rates among young people are increasingly rising. Because people feel unloved. They don't feel like they belong. And yet we serve a God who loves us enough to spend the time to reveal to us who he is using methods that we will understand throughout time. We serve a God that loves us so much that he had to tell us that over and over and over again. In 1 John 3 verse 1 it says, Behold, or look, take off those smudged glasses. Look at how much the Father loves you, that you are now children of God. And just in case you think that God never said something like that in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 43, verse 3, it says, Because you are precious in my sight, and I love you. God has been screaming this message at humanity for centuries, that he loves us, and he wants what's best for us. Jesus, while on earth, he said this in John fourteen twenty-three. He said, Those who love me will keep my words, And my Father will love them, and we we will come to them, and we will make our home with them. Well, what are his words, other than the Bible? In John 15, 12, Jesus gives a command to his disciple, when he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So because we are loved by God, all right? because we are loved by God incredibly much, And this is portrayed throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because we are loved by him, we must in turn share that love with those around us. And that doesn't just mean with people sitting in the church. It means with those out there as well. Because God loves every one of us. If he was willing to go to Abraham, who's hanging out in a heathen land and worshiping other gods, and he's willing to say, you know what, let me teach you something about myself. And then he's willing to take take his people out of Egypt and he's willing to say you know what let me teach you something about myself and then he goes to the judges and he says you know what these people they're, they're falling back into it let me pull them out and let me teach them something about myself and then he does the same with the prophets he says you know what these people are backsliding let me let me teach you a little bit more about myself because I love you and this is seen over and over and over again therefore because we serve that God who finally said, you know what, here's my son. You want to see an exact reflection of who I am? Look at Jesus. Because I love you, you must, in turn, share that love with others. The Apostle Paul, again, a student of merely the Old Testament, emphasizes over and over again to the churches, as though it's a problem sometime in churches, to love To love one another. Long ago, God spoke. Long ago, God looked out on a world that had rejected him. A world that had turned their back on him, and he spoke. And he reached them where they were. And he spoke again, revealing a little bit more. And the people slid backwards. So he revealed a little bit more through his law. And the people slid backwards. So he reveals a little bit more through his judges, and the people slide backwards. And he reveals a little bit more through the the prophets, and the people slide backwards. Until finally, God sends his son. The perfect revelation of his love. And the God Jesus knew was that God in the Old Testament. And through that study alone, Jesus grew up and realized that God loved, and that his father had sent him. And so he died. He died for each and every one of us because of the God that he knew and was in the Old Testament. Jesus was the perfect reflection of God. The express image. Finally, the mud was off the mirror. The mirror had been cleaned away. And there was the perfect reflection. And for the first time, the world could see God and his love face to face through Jesus Christ. And because we love him, because we love Jesus and we love the God that Jesus knew too, we in turn must love those around us. And I leave you with this question. Because how can you serve a God of love and not portray that love to other people too? Amen.